Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship to all who would stand for the Reformation of Christ's Church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together for gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. We are a ministry of union. Greetings and welcome to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. My name is Justin Shell. I'll be serving as your host, and we are so glad that you have joined us for this inaugural episode of the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. We are a ministry of union, and so everything we do, in everything we do, we hope that you grow to delight more in God, to grow more in Christ, to better serve the church and bless the world. So that's why we exist. That's why we do what we do. And we're so glad that you're here with us today. I'm also very excited to introduce you to our guest for the first, not just first episode, but the first three episodes. We will be visiting with Michael Reeves. Mike is the president of Union and professor, lecturer at Union School of Theology. He is well known for books like Delighting in the Trinity, Spurgeon on the Christian Life, and his most recent book, Rejoice and Tremble, and we're going to have three conversations over the next three weeks with Mike. The first conversation will be on a company of pastors. That's the topic, a company of pastors. What happens when gospel ministers find a rich, warm community together, enlivens them, that strengthens them, and results in healthier churches and stronger mission? So we'll be talking about that. That's our first topic because it's right at the center of what we want to be about here at the Reformation Fellowship. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about gospel ministry and the fear of the Lord. We'll try to to learn from Mike's most recent book, Rejoice and Tremble, and, uh, and try to press that down into the life of the church as much as we can. And then two weeks from now, we're going to be talking about Uh, the head and the heart in the life of the gospel minister. We're going to explore how do we bring together robust, deep theology with warm, enlivened piety, you might say. So delighting in God and uh, and his truth and doing that head, heart, and hands. So that's, that's coming in two weeks. So be sure to come back and listen to those episodes as well. But here we are today with Michael Reeves, talking about a company of pastors. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the Reformation Fellowship, our inaugural episode. Justin, absolutely great to be with you. Mike, for any of our listeners who maybe don't know who you are, could you just give us a brief introduction, where you're at, what you're up to? Sure. Uh, So I'm in Oxford at the moment. Um, That's where I'm based. Uh, and I'm president and professor of theology at Union School of Theology. What we're all about is raising leaders for the sake of growing the church of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're concerned to see what we want to see is the reformation of Christ Church worldwide. And particularly, we, we want to raise resource support leaders with that vision in mind. Awesome. Uh, I'm married to Bethan. Um, I've got um, two girls, uh, Lucy and Mia, and I think that's probably all you need to know about me. And, and our topic for this first episode is a company of pastors, as I just said. And 
th this topic really comes from a good friend. Uh, he lived maybe 500 years ago in, in Switzerland, but tell us about that. Um, I'm guessing you're referring to John Calvin, his company of pastors. Um, and John Calvin, uh, it's funny, he, he's not thought of as being a particularly human friendly guy, but he, he built up this fellowship um, in Geneva, deliberately raising up pastors who he could then resource and send out. And so he'd raise, raise guys up in, in Geneva, have them well-educated, they go to the academy, they'd learn how to preach, and then he'd send them out with copies of the institutes, with Bibles, and slip them across borders there to plant and pastor churches in France, Hungary, Scotland, even as far as Rio de Janeiro. But th the thing is, with that, it, it could sound all quite programmatic. Um, it really was a fellowship. It was a big friendship. Mm -hmm. he, he kept in touch with these guys by letter that we've got hundreds of letters from him. These are just surviving letters from him to a number of friends. There was a um, uh, historian called Richard Stauffer who, who said that there were few men of his time who developed as many friendships as Calvin, wow. um, he, he, that, which can surprise people. He was a, a man of friendships. And, and Calvin, two of his closest friends were William um, Farrell and Pierre Viret. And, and Calvin said, uh, he said, I don't believe there's ever been such friends who've lived together in such deep friendship in their everyday style of ministry in this world as we have. Mm. And, and that was just right at the heart of his ministry. And all he was seeking to do, he, he wanted to have a real fellowship, a band of brothers who were in this same vision together, loving each other and all serving shoulder to shoulder behind the same vision and a real deep mutual affection grew up between them as a result yeah yeah that's that's awesome and, and something else that many people may not know about that company about what was happening in geneva is that that mission was a major fruit of that friendship and of that those partnerships yeah, absolutely. The, um, he was particularly concerned with France, his native country. Um, and in France, it's hard to get at the figures, but it's thought that something like a third of the elite of the nobility were converted and two to three million of the population were converted in the sort of 10 years or so after this programme of raising and sending pastors from Geneva was sent out. Um, planting sometimes literally underground churches in France. So it, it was a friendship standing side by side with a particular vision mm. that was profoundly fruitful and mm. impacting for Europe. Yeah. Help us think about, are, are there other examples of this historically of a warm-hearted uh, gospel-minded missional communities that that formed uh, mm. this band of brothers that had both the heart for God's people, for the church, for serving the church, 
um, that also resulted in in that kind of missional fruit. Are there other examples of yeah, that? Too many to mention, really, because I'd say actually all through church history, it's been collegiality, groups of friends have been central to times of spiritual blessing, always. Mm. So you think of Calvin, you could go to Augustine in North Africa, right. um, and Augustine in North Africa in the fifth century, he deliberately gathered. He, he was, again, a profoundly friendly man, developing intentionally a, a network of close friends to support each other in gospel ministry. Um, I think, of, go fast forward to, say, um, to Wittenberg, right at the heart of Luther's Reformation in Wittenberg was the gathering of table talk, the gathering around Luther's dinner table, mm. where Luther and friends would just sit down and talk and get to know each other. And so you've got, not only are they hammering ideas out together and, and, and uh, learning from each other, but they're also developing an affection for each other, which is going to sustain them when they go out mm. and, and, and they're serving often in quite lonely situations. You know, C.S. Lewis, when he wrote, um, wrote about friendship or brotherly love in his wonderful little book, The Four Loves, he talked about friendship as a school of virtue, which is a lovely phrase, way of capturing what friendship can be. And, and Luther embodied that. And you see it again and again. You think the friendship between George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. And I think the thing is, we tend to look at history as history of great men. We think you've got Luther standing alone. You've got um, Calvin doing his thing. You've got um, William Carey going out solo to India. Actually, his group of friends around Carey. Right. Right. And in each of these cases, there's well-supported friends. I think of um, uh, a bit of a model for me in younger days, um, working with John Stott in London. And John Stott, again, you know, he, he's sort of held up as this single hero. But he had this group of friends that he would go away and they had he had a little cottage in Wales and they'd go away on writing breaks together and they'd encourage each other to write they'd help each other in what they were doing but they were just good friends yeah. to support each other and it it, it does strike me that it, the lesson is times of blessing in the church are always associated with good friendships mm. yeah that's beautiful uh, it, that marriage of relational warmth mm. um, with obviously a, a missional intention, a heart for, uh, for the, the gospel, for the ministry. Um, yeah. It's, it's the fruit, fruit of the gospel. Yeah. The, the sin is something that makes us alone. It yeah. makes us wrapped up in ourselves. The gospel draws us out of ourselves to be, um, to be relational, to know God and to know each other. This is what the gospel calls us, frees us to. Let's, let's say for a moment, I'm, I'm a pastor. Uh, maybe I'm a church planter. Maybe I'm a, a, a professor of theology. And I don't find myself in, 
in these kinds of relationships. I don't have mm. this kind of community. Mm. What, uh, what, what am I missing? What would you say? Oh, well, I'm, I'm very sorry for you if that is the situation you find yourself in. And, uh, but I'm not surprised to hear it mm. because I think possibly one of the greater dangers that isn't talked about today, especially for young leaders today, is the danger of being a lone ranger. Mm. And often an ambition for the gospel can very quickly distort into this desire to be the, the, the solitary grand oak tree for the gospel, standing by itself, being a hero. Mm. But what it means is one of the, I think, greatest practical problems I see across the church is the isolation of so many church leaders. But this is something that theologians of the past used to talk about, it seems to be a scriptural point, the importance of, of fellowship. Can, can I say friendship even? Um, because by fellowship, I, I don't mean, you know, cup of coffee together after church. I mean, warm brotherhood. Mm -hmm. I, I think of, you know, Ecclesiastes 4 is beautiful on this. You know, two are better than one. You know, woe to him who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. If, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so friendship, it's, it's a fruit of the gospel. It, it is, as Luther said, uh, sorry, as, as Lewis said, it, it's a school of virtue. It, Lewis also said in that great little chapter on, on friendship in um, The Four Loves, he, he, he said that through friendship, we get a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven. Because heaven is a, a company of saints gathered together around our mutual love, Jesus. And so to enjoy friendship now, think about the seraphim cry in Isaiah 6. They, they, they cry to each other, holy, holy, holy. That there's a mutual encouragement of each other as they're directing each other towards the beautiful holiness of the Lord. Right. And, right. and so... In friendship now, we're getting a little taste of the of the life for which we've been saved. And, you know, I, I mentioned Lewis there. I think Lewis captured the nature of friendship, which will help anyone who's struggling here, I think, to get it. They said romantic love between a husband and wife is captured by they look into each other's eyes. They're, they're loving each other. And so they look into each other's eyes. Friendship is more about standing side by side and looking at the same thing. So you're not so much uh, initially loving each other, you're finding a shared vision that draws you together that you that you enjoy together and what happens is that common quest or vision that unites the friends it, it brings them together but it doesn't absorb them in such a way that they remain ignorant or oblivious of each other actually through that common vision as they stand together their eyes on the same thing 
they become blessed with an affection for each other. Yeah. And, and they, they do it in such a way because they're sharing the same interest. Real friendship, real fellowship isn't the same thing as an exclusive coterie or cabal. Mm. It's not a jealous thing that you have two friends standing um, together, whatever it is they're interested in, whether it's they're interested in the same um, soccer team or whether it's they're interested in the same gospel, they're happy to be joined by a third. Mm. They're not saying keep out. Again, no, no, if you share what we're interested in, we'd love to have you with us. Yeah. Um, because then, then you're a friend too. But right. that way, sharing that mutual vision and interest you start gathering around like-minded people and the support and encouragement you can get there. Well, Ecclesiastes 4, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Yeah. You're much stronger, much more supported, much more encouraged. Yeah. And you see Paul talking about his fellow workers. He used language like brother and sister, my, my child in the faith. He used uh, just effusive, emotive language to describe the, mm. the, the, the men and women who were uh, working with him. Mm. Uh, he, he, he spoke the same way to the churches to which he wrote. We, yes. we didn't only want to share the gospel with you, but our very lives with you. Yes. Um, so you just see that, you see that flowing out of someone who really gets the gospel. Yes, absolutely. I can't, I can't imagine Paul setting up a good old boys club, for instance, yeah. uh, to keep people out, um, yeah. but to welcome more and more in. That's, yes. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I think it's you, Mike, that first to help me understand how the very nature of God um, really fuels this. Mm. Can, you, can you speak to that a little bit? I almost want you to, given given what you've said there. But yes, it is. It's a profoundly godly thing in that um, the nature of God being triune is that God is inherently a relational God who created us in his image so that we might be relational, knowing God and knowing each other, male and female, he created them in the image of God. And so it's just part of what we're constituted to be. We will only be happy as we are in right relationship. And the nature of sin is to isolate, yeah. Yeah. is to or find faux friendships gathered around mutual hostility or gathered around evil. And, and so redemption is is finding my heart opened up such that I'm not simply finding I'm full of guilt and want to retreat from God. I actually want to know God more. And having that guilt removed, I find I can be honest, not only with God, but with the others. And, and this, I think, is uh, one of the things I found with friendship, that with my friends, I've learned how to be more human. Mm. I, I've learned more about myself. I've learned how to pastor because you're actually 
talking with each other and learning about real life and real struggle. Um, you're, you, you know, when you simply try to preach the gospel to yourself, that's one thing. But when someone else reminds you of the gospel, it's more powerful. It's more powerful when the gospel comes from outside because that's its very nature. I can imagine that there may be listeners who who hear this and they think relationships take time. I'm a, I'm a busy pastor. I've got a lot going on. It would be selfish of me to take time for myself and to just uh, pursue relationships that are for me. Um, help, help us think about the kind of impact that this might have. We've talked about for the pastor. Hopefully they, <laughs> hopefully we all see the need for this, but even for our churches, what kind of impact does a company of pastors have on the churches they lead or even the, the church in their city or their region? Yes. Well, I, I think that th that view that we can all fall into of just I'm too busy for what seems like a luxury is it's a reductionistic pr professional way of looking at the ministry. Mm. Whereas gospel ministry, um, if, if the gospel is freeing us to be more fully human, that is to be more Christ-like, that is to be more relational, then actually to tuck myself away in my study the whole time um, or simply be doing the church admin, there are necessary things to do, but actually I'm not being Christ-like, fully human, if I'm not having real friendships. Mm. Meaning that that will simply show itself in how I pass to people. It will show itself in how I preach. I won't be able to relate to people. And so it's one of those things that, um, a bit like everyday communion with God, you can think, I'm just too busy today. And, and to some extent, I understand you get busy days. Yeah, we all do. But if that is actually long-term neglected, then you might carry on having a busy ministry. You will not carry on having a fruitful, God-glorifying ministry because you're not being Christ-like. Mm -hmm. You're not learning how to be friendly as God is. And so your ministry will be lopsided. However brilliant you are as an orator, however well you're wired to be a listener in speaking to your people, if you're not actually cultivating real deep fellowship, you're not experiencing relationship and so you won't be able to pastor or lead your people in Christ-likeness. Yeah. And it, it seems like from the examples we've already talked about, whether it's Geneva or um, Wittenberg or, uh, or others, that in the end, for those who had this kind of friendship, they actually became more fruitful in their ministry because of it, it seems. Absolutely. Absolutely so. Yeah, um, more, more fruitful um, because more energized, more encouraged, more corrected. Yeah. Um, they were able to, um, you, you read some of the letters 
between say Luther and Philip Melanchthon or Calvin and, um, and Viret, and you see them correcting each other and saying, dear brother in love, I need to say this to you. I think you, you, you're getting this wrong. And, and the relational foundations were there in place that they were able to say such things to each other and give and receive it in love. And so they were able to not only encourage, but also lovingly correct each other and help each other out. So it kept them energized and increasingly toned and more faithful. Yeah, I know uh, in conversations, particularly with younger leaders today, those who are maybe just uh, in their first few years in the pastorate or they're uh, they're out of seminary and are are starting to uh, their journey in what they what they think will be lifelong ministry. And you see the ones who don't have this um, already feeling the weight of of going it alone, of being alone. Yes, and it's um, it's it's very sad. I think you used that word earlier, and um, trying to find ways to help those those younger gospel ministers in particular but i don't want to excuse those of us that may be a little bit older either i think um we we can do that as well can't we absolutely you do you know what the um one of the best things i took away from my time at seminary um i was given a good education which i really valued but i think one of the best things i took away was two friendships um i, I took away a few friendships um about four guys I keep up with um, regularly from from my time at seminary years ago, and we all keep up. But there are two in particular we covenanted together in our time together at seminary that we would meet up three times a year, and we would uh, spend we get two nights and a full day together. So we have a first evening where we can just spend a bit of time um, with each other. And then have a whole day with each other three times a year. Mm. And what that did was it was it was a pledge of we were already friends, but it was a commitment to each other as friends. Mm. And through that, that has been such a profound blessing um, to all of us that to have such deep friends constant through the years, they know everything about me they knew everything mm. and and we deliberately set it up like this sometimes people talk about accountability groups we deliberately said this is not an accountability group though it does do that um it's more this is this is gospel fellowship and we wanted to make that distinction because accountability can be a rather cold thing where we simply ask each other questions going have you committed adultery you know, are you, are you living in sin in particular ways? Right. And and I thought, look, if we just do that, if I'm having an affair, I'll happily lie about it. So actually, I need to, if there's something going wrong in my life, I need to really trust you to be able to open up about it. I need to like you. Um, that That's the foundations that are necessary for us actually to be honest with each other. And so that's why we deliberately have an evening together before we really talk about deeper things on the full day together, deliberately just to be able to hang out with each other. Mm. 
just to be able to remind each other of our friendship and just talk and catch up and natter. And it's that relational foundation then gives the context in which we're honest with each other Mm. and we can open up about struggles and encouragements and we can speak the gospel into that. So it's much, much richer than a kind of negative mere accountability. You know, it's got that, but it's more, it's, it's a, it's an, it's a fellowship in the gospel. And if, um, if a listener here is thinking, uh, how can I do that? Do you guys have a, for that day together? Is there a, an agenda? Is it, uh, fairly laid back is it are there the broad questions yeah we we, we started with an agenda in the early days because we wanted to i think it was as we were getting to know each other so it was all a bit more scripted to start with yeah. um so yeah we had pages of questions we asked each other w- which were quite specific really quite detailed questions like in what ways might you be struggling in this area and uh, have you sinned particularly in this area um, so we'd be asking each other really very detailed questions. And it just loosened up over the years as we got to know each other. And we got to know he won't tend to struggle so much in this area. He's just inclined to struggle more in that area. And, and we know that. And just getting to know each other, you can almost read each other's faces more easily. You, you could get blasé about it. We, we're aware of that. But but there's such a, there's now decades of knowledge of each other. You know how it is in a family that you can say something and no one else will pick up on the tone of what's been said between one family member and another. Mm-hmm. But the very way it's been said within the family, we all know that tone. And, and that's what you can build in a friendship. So it's become more and more almost totally unscripted now just as we got to know each other, but that's through years of investment. So I would strongly encourage if there's young leaders, young pastors who don't really have that kind of level of friendship, seek out those who you, who you think you, you like, you actually get on with, you'd like to spend time with. You, you, you've got to actually enjoy the company of these guys. And then, Try to build that and see if there might be a couple of guys who could. I think it's better not just two. Um, make it make it three, such that it's not just a, a two way thing. You know, make it three or four of you. Um, for us, it's it's three of us, um, and and deliberately commit to spending time with each other. Saying long haul, we want to be supporting each other through the ups and downs. Yeah. Now, someone listening could think that this is um, this is just a kind of a side topic. This is just uh, Mike Reeves loves friendship. That's great, um, but I think there's there's something more to it than that for you. Um, this like-minded, gospel-hearted, spiritual friendship among gospel ministers. Um, it's more than just a, a practice should consider for you what what's your vision for this Mm. well just it's such a concern of mine um that that we've been working to start this year what we're calling the reformation fellowship 
And the Reformation Fellowship is a deliberate attempt to try to cultivate this kind of fellowship, these kind of friendships, thinking of what Lewis said about how those friendships, that the warmth of relationship is actually cultivated by sharing the same vision. Mm. And so, so what we're doing is we're, we're starting Reformation Fellowship, which has a vision. Here's the vision to gather around, the reformation of Christ's church worldwide. And what we want to say is, if you share that vision, you want to see the reformation of Christ's church worldwide. And by that, we're not talking about an interest in the reformation 500 years ago. We're not talking about a historical event. Do you want to see Christ's church purified, healthy, built up, growing? Do you want to see that reformation in our day? Mm-hmm. And the Reformation Fellowship is a gathering together around that to support and provide fellowship for those who'd stand for the reformation of Christ church worldwide. And what I want this to do is through having gatherings and lots of connection with each other, mm-hmm. we'll build up this supportive fellowship so that we can cure this problem of isolated lone rangers and instead we might see what we've seen through church history we might see a time of spiritual blessing associated with a band of brothers who all share the same vision Mm. and so what we're what we're aiming to do is sort out regular times of gatherings and conferences so we're just arranging right now a u.s conference Um, around Easter 2022, and then to have regular um, other gatherings and and writer's days um, where where we can get together, build on the friendships we've got and think, how can we help each other be more fruitful? How, for example, might we help each other encourage, uh, there might be some who could be writing, who haven't yet thought about how they could be involved in that sort of ministry. I want to get together with those guys and and see if we can encourage each other. And then also provide all these guys with regular connection to each other and regular support, have a Reformation Fellowship magazine so that we're regularly connecting, providing the, the content the gospel content that's aiming at that one vision that's going to help gather us together. And so my prayer is that Reformation Fellowship might be something that will serve many pastors across the world. So I talked about a US conference. We'll also be doing a UK conference and across the world to gather together Some who might be feeling quite isolated, some who might be feeling quite unsupported and know there's a home for you. And you can get to know some like-minded friends who share the same vision and who can support each other. And that's going to energize us all, purify us all, help us all grow in healthiness and Christ-likeness. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Obviously, this podcast is is one source of hopefully encouraging, strengthening uh, those who, who are standing together, who, who rally around 
that vision of the reformation of Christ Church worldwide. Um, it's it, a place we're starting, um, but as you said, so many uh, ideas right now, so many uh, dreams around how do we get together? How do we encourage mm-hmm. one another? How can we strengthen um, one another's uh, hands as we minister, as we as we do uh, as we do life, as we minister the gospel to God's people? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I'm here for that. And uh, this this podcast, we pray, uh, dear listeners, that uh, that it would be a part of um, strengthening you where you are and a chance to to uh, connect you with others to our listeners our time is up so thank you for joining us and the reformation fellowship please connect with us on facebook and twitter and don't hesitate to let us know how we can serve you or your church if you have enjoyed this conversation please subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you find your podcast thank you and god bless